Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Level up human. The comedy science podcast Souping up the Homo sapien. Hello and welcome to Level Up Human, the show that looks at the human race and tries to make it racier, faster, stronger. How are we going to make our species better? We're coming to you live from the Cambridge Science Festival and the Welcome Genome Campus. We're here taking suggestions from our panel of experts, from our live audience, and from Mother Nature herself to try and determine what the next stage in human evolution should be. We're putting together a to-do list for human evolution. We're looking for design spec for the next human. We want to fix all our faults, and we have tried switching it off and on again. I'm your host, Simon Watts, and today I'm joined by three meaty puppets in the form of our guests. On my immediate left, deciding what idea we will incorporate into our species, it's the comedian, actress, and host of her very own podcast, Samantha Baines Plus One, it's Sam Baines! <laughs> Sam, you're going to be judging the ideas to see what we incorporate, what we stick into our genome. What kind of ideas are you hoping to hear? Um, I'm looking for anything that can utilise social media. Um, <laughs> I'm verified on Twitter. So. <laughs> Only a few people know that what that means apparently here, but it's, it means like you're really cool and stuff. Um, no, yeah, I love I love Twitter and Instagram. Anything that features those, you're a shoe in. Um, also, I'm currently wearing jeans with holes in the knees, and I find it quite stressful that that means I have to shave my knees. So any. <laughs> Any sort of other solutions to that are very welcome. You have to shave your knees. Well, a otherwise you've got hairy knees. is enough to do that. I must have such scar tissue in my knees I've got no hair at all. And I'm, I'm basically like Pam from the waist down. So all that's right, stop showing off. I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean to. So you're going to judge because only one idea can go through each episode. But pitching ideas on my immediate right, we've got Sinead Dunn. Sinead is a postdoctoral fellow at the Sanger Work Institute, and you're working on alternative therapies to fight cancer. Um, you're not just going for runs and marathons and things. It's not one of those ones. No, I'm not a runner. Well, what, no. Can you give us, a, give us an idea? You say alternative therapies to fight cancer. What's, what's alternative? You don't mean homeopathy and stuff here, do you? What are we talking? So we're just, what I'm trying to do is the drugs that we already have, one of the problems with it is obviously we get resistance. It's, it occurs kind of 
very frequently. So I'm trying to kind of understand what's causing that resistance. Because um, if we can understand the resistance, we can find ways to overcome it, or we can find other drugs to combine with the current drugs to improve upon them. Um, so I'm using, to do that, I basically want to understand the genes that are involved in drug resistance and breast cancer. And I'm using like a kind of new technology, a CRISPR-Cas9 technology to knock out genes across the genome. So you're properly, this is like, basically you're morally superior to everybody I know. <laughs> no. Yeah, this is, this is a good starting point. Well, you can see why you'll be able to improve our species, what, what our experts here are going to add. And on her right we have Carl Anderson. Carl is a computational geneticist who uses genetics and genomic data to further understanding of immune-mediated disease. What does that mean? Um, so the immune-mediated diseases bit, so these are diseases which are basically caused by our own immune system. Mm -hmm. So uh, the immune system is a very difficult job to do, right? It has to be kind of sensitive and aggressive enough that should you encounter a pathogen that might go on to cause you a disease, your immune system is there, it'll tackle that. But if it gets that too wrong, if it gets too sensitive, it'll start reacting against things that it shouldn't be reacting against. So maybe there's cells in your own body, perhaps it's gluten, and that's what causes celiac disease, or perhaps it's beta cells in your pancreas, type 1 diabetes. And so I try to work out, using genetic data, why some people basically have an immune system which predisposes them to these diseases and other people do not. Okay, but it says, well, how do you use computers to do that? Because bearing in mind, Sam wants Twitter. Mm. Yeah. So Twitter, not so much. Well, we do tweet about the results oh, of our science. Um, so we do use Twitter a little bit. So basically what we do is we um, sequence the genomes of a whole bunch of people who have the disease and sequence the genomes of a whole bunch of people who don't have the disease. And then it's just a giant spot the difference competition. But it, it is giant because a genome is a big place. It's got like three billion um, things for you to look at, so it's a, it's a big place to look. Um, so uh, we, we play this game using the computers because using the human eye would take a long time. I love how you turned into a game, awesome. Also put a filter on that, perfect for Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> and not only are we taking ideas from our experts, you can see what they're gonna add, but we're gonna get ideas from the audience here live at the Welcome Genome Campus in Cambridge. Give yourselves a big round of applause. Before we reach into the future, let's find out what's happening now. Our panel here have brought along some news stories. Can we start with you, Sinead? Yeah. What story have you brought with you? Um, so it was a story that was published um, earlier this week, and it was the use of, um, it's quite controversial, but it's use of the CRISPR-Cas9 genome editing technology for the first time being used in normal embryos. So this is a system that allows us to modify genes, um, and it's hoped that in the future we can kind of treat genetic diseases with it. Um, what was it called? Because all I heard was CRISP. CRISPR-Cas9. CRISPR-Cas9. Like <laughs> Don't ask me what CRISPR stands for. I had it written down. But, <laughs> yeah, but what does it do? I suppose that's the important thing, because actually this is something which is appearing in the news all the time. Mm -hmm. like, CRISPR seems to be the, the big golden boy of, of technology. Why does it matter and what is it? Yeah, so it's, I mean, it's, I'm sure you've all heard of it. It's in the news a lot. It's a kind of really new, powerful technique that allows us to kind of either cut out pieces of DNA or kind of swap pieces of DNA, we can really precisely um, modify the genome. And it's, it's in the news a lot, but it's particularly the news articles are often the kind of flashier, sexier side of CRISPR, which is basically, can we make designer humans with it? Can we treat diseases? Uh, well, we're into it. Can we make uh, can we? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, What's your news story? Because you're saying so the, yeah, so the news, the news article is 
so why it's so controversial is because if you treat the embryo, this will be the germline. So these are all set cells that will keep be passed on, for example, to their children. So you're literally modifying. I mean, are we talking designer as in pick what you want, or designer as in Chanel plastered across your forehead? No. So what the, what this what this group did? Um, what this group did? Because I'd like the second one. No, they were actually looking at diseases. So that's the big controversy because it could be used to actually treat like diseases. So, for example, an embryo had they detected a disease, they could then go in with CRISPR, correct the disease before the baby was even born. Mm. But the controversy is with well, why don't we just fix this gene? Maybe we want yeah. this colour of eyes. Maybe we want to... And that's not what it's been used for yet. But this study, it was a, a group from China. They basically took, they fertilised an egg with um, using sperm from two different men. Two different eggs, I think. Um, and they basically, these men had genetic diseases. So guaranteed this would have had you know, a genetic disease. Yes. And then they tried to use CRISPR to modify and kind of correct the diseases, um, kind of correct the genes. So take the faulty genes and correct it. Um, and in that way, if they could manage to do that, and then... Um, has, it, has it worked here? So, yeah, so what they did is actually was... So they basically they had, they had six embryos in total, which is not a massive number, but between like the two different diseases, um, some embryos, they were able to correct it. And then they, I think they only kept it for a few days after that, because obviously that's really huge ethical issues, you know, if you continue to let it grow, especially because this was the first study that was actually a normal embryo. Pre, the only previous one before that had been an embryo that it was kind of abnormal. It was never going to be able to be viable. Right. But this is the first time that actually... So the, um, the key really here is what you're saying is that all the stuff that happens in all sci-fi movies... It's not sci-fi anymore. Yeah, That's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> so genetically modifying humans is on the, the way. Technology. But couldn't you just do it with babies? Or could you like go in and change my eye colour? Too late? <laughs> what are you That's looking for? That's my pitch. That's my pitch. Don't spoil it. Oh, sorry. I'm so excited. We got there too soon. Let's move on. Carl. I'm just using contact lenses so far. So. What's your new story, Carl? What can I do? Uh, so I was uh, interested, I'm a bit worried about following this, uh, Sinead, because actually uh, the study you're describing in humans, mine's not quite so exciting. It's a similar idea, but it's in uh, Saccharomyces cerevisiae, uh, which is basically the posh way of saying baker's yeast. Uh, and so uh, there's a, a series of studies um, which have just been published where they try to change and manipulate the genome of baker's yeast. Um, just to see if they can create a synthetic genome and create a completely uh, living organism. Yeah. And um, I was kind of drawn to this, and I know it's a big and important study because they, they, they set off to try and um, manipulate the 16 chromosomes that are in uh, baker's yeast, and uh, so far they've um, manipulated and changed five of them, and so they're basically partway through their study, mm -hmm. and recently they got seven papers back-to-back -back in the journal Science, so they basically got, their pilot study got seven papers in Science. So is this that is, really good? I yes, don't know what that, that means. Very, I, I, like, would, I would, like to, I would like to have that. That would be fantastic. Um, so what they did with these, what they, what they did with these genomes is they, they wanted to see kind of what is the minimal amount of genetic material that any one of these um, chromosomes can contain and still have a viable uh, baker's yeast. So what they did is they took Can out... Can I just check? Are we talking yeah. about like bread uh, baker's yeast? Or is this like a fancy sciencey term for something? 
No, we're nope, talking really? about bakers. Oh, okay, we're yeast. talking about bread. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. And um, also, what about brewers' yeast? Because you're, what you're talking about is you're effectively stripping down these genomes. You're making streamlined yeast. Yes, you're making a, really their genomes super efficient. I don't think it makes your beer faster. Because oh. so, what, what they were trying to do is they were trying to not to change the organism in any way, but trying to trim down the genome by taking out the bits of it which were perhaps not so functionally relevant. So they they took out uh, the repetitive regions. They took out um, the kind of non-coding regions, the parts of the genome that don't. Co- for proteins, um, and uh, they, they ended up removing, um, I think it was over 8% of the, the genome, I and still managed to have a functioning uh, living organism. I, I love this, because they should also apply this to Peter Jackson movies, <laughs> of just removing the bits which are kind of irrelevant <laughs> and repetitive. That's basically what they're doing, yes, they're, they're editing, uh, editing the genomes like movies. Cool. Sam, what does catch your eye? What's your news story? Well, mine is just as sciencey. Uh, it's <laughs> you shouldn't laugh at that part, audience. <laughs> it's not, though. Um, it's, it's an article and a, and a study that they did that means that we can guess people's names by looking at them. <laughs> oh, yeah, there's been a study, guys. Um, apparently, if you're the same nationality as the person, 40% of the time you're correct. So That's luckily, there's about 100 people here. Let's so. do it. Actually, will we use the front row? Is that a good, a yeah, good example? Okay. Um, do we have to check anything about them first? Well, could, can I have... Oh, we need to find out. If, is there any Scottish people in? Did you bring your passport to I'm this out. game? That's the... Okay. Um, well, uh, people in the study had three options. Okay. Am I, am I just going to go Can we it? get a microphone to, um, <laughs> to this person who looks quite scared in the front row? Okay. He looks absolutely petrified. So if you could tell me three names and one of them is your own name. Jack, Matt, Sam. Matt. No. <laughs> okay. 40% um, of the time, guys. And can we pass one, please? Which, which is it? Sam. Oh, but that was, that's my name. (laughs) (laughs) Can't be two. Okay. Um, Sonia, Karina, Emily. Emily. No. I'm so (laughs) bad at it. Which is it? Karina. Do guess again? Yeah. (laughs) Damn it. Well, what was interesting there is, A, that you've kind of disproved science, if this is true, or you're the anomaly, and also how some people in the audience were taking bets, actually. <laughs> um, why? Why are we able to tell people when they're looking at their faces? What's the... What, what's, is there science behind this, or is it, like, was this BuzzFeed yeah, you got there this from? No, <laughs> there was a study... Okay. ..where they took some people, and people guessed their names. That was literally it. And then they found that people of the same nationality could actually guess the name when they were faced with three options 40% of the time, whereas people from different nationalities only guessed it correctly like 20% of the time. There must be something here, I guess, we're picking up on ideas of of class, of ethnicity, of culture or something, is that it? And we can kind of loosely interpret because of our experience? Yeah, that sounds good. Maybe. Well... That's what's actually happening. Yes, that study got funded. That's true. Um, I feel like we should just keep doing it until I get one right, and then we can just edit it in. <laughs> and then everyone will think, wow, science. We can do that already <laughs> with what we have here. So that's what's happening in science right now, but let's go hypothetical. Uh, why don't we start with you? What is your pitch, please? Shoot, Carl. So um, I would like to basically have conscious control of my immune system. 
What does this actually mean? Are you just trying to avoid man flu? Uh, in a way, yes, I'm trying to avoid man flu. So when I say conscious control, I don't mean fully conscious control. I think that would be quite dangerous. What I mean is something similar to, you know, if you, if you go out for a run, you're just running and then you're, you're, you're breathing, it all happens quite normally and quite naturally. But when you start to get out of breath, it becomes, comes to your attention and you think, oh, I need to concentrate on my breathing. I want to try and breathe more deeply. That type of control. I want that when things start getting a bit tough but for the immune system, our brains are alerted to it and we can consciously try and make, make, make changes. And so the reason why I think this would be a, a good thing is because, um, you know, as I said earlier, um, the immune system is a very difficult job to do. And uh, sometimes it doesn't quite get the balance right between being aggressive enough to remove the pathogens from, uh, from our bodies versus kind of not attacking ourselves. And of course, the reason why it gets, our, uh, why, why it gets this balance wrong is because the, the immune system has been partly controlled by our genome. And our genome is shaped by selection. And so historically, human beings have lived in very dirty environments. And so it's been very beneficial to have a kind of hyperactive, super sensitive immune system. The problem is now, of course, uh, we don't live in those dirty environments. And so we're sat around. Thank you have to see my flat. <laughs> Well, see, that's why, want, that's why I want to take back conscious control, because when I live in my house, I want to be able to dial down my immune system okay. because it's clean. But if I want to go to your house, then I need to ramp it consciously back up to deal with, you know, the dirty but benches so and things. So would this mean that we never get ill? Yes. Oh, well, you, but you're how immune... will you skive off work? <laughs> well... <laughs> your boss would be like, mm, ramp up your immune system, Sam. Yes, you, you, you wouldn't get ill. That's, but yes, you wouldn't get to skive off work. So yes, that's here, a downside. A I suppose because you're saying it's conscious control, we've got mm. more than one kind of immune system. Yes. We've got the one that makes antibodies and stuff, and we've got the kind of our first response. Yes, your innate and adaptive immune systems. So which, yep. how are you trying to adapt both of these? Like, how can you... Uh, I suppose, tell me more. Which is the one that you want to either turn up or turn down? Why have I got to choose? Can't I, can't I consciously control both of them to some extent? I think so. I think I should be able to. I want to control both of these immune systems. I'm greedy. So uh, I suppose what I'm thinking is, let's say um, I'm, um, you know, it's springtime, I go for a walk, I have hay fever. Mm. Um, I, what I might like to do is I might like to just dial down the sensitivity of my mast cells so I don't get that hyper um, allergic reaction and I start coughing and sneezing. But actually when, I move, when it's not springtime and I remove myself from that environment, I would quite like to have my mast cells again working uh, fully. And so actually then, you know, it, it, it pays to have some form of uh, control over, over my Why wouldn't you system. just have it up all the time? Because if I, if I have it all the time, I might start, um, uh, you know, if there's, I don't know, dust in, in my house, I might start getting al allergies against dust or against food that I eat. And so <gasps> actually, I, I want to have this ability to say, actually, right now, I, don't, I, I, I maybe don't need this quite so much. I'm going to dial it back. And then if I go somewhere where I think, you know, I, my immune system is going to be more needed, I can, I can ramp it back up. Again. What if you accident? So how would you know? That's a very good question. And I was thinking about this. I'm really, I didn't plant this, I promise you, but I have been thinking about this. Also, what if you accidentally leave it on? You know, yeah, like the just, heating when you go on holiday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, so I Can suppose... you control it automatically? Like, 
Well, this is kind of what I was thinking. How, how, would, I, how would I know what my environment was going to be like? And um, because, because I'm, uh, I, I like technology and I like flashing lights, what I thought I could have is basically um, flashing um, lights on my fingertips that might tell me kind of when I was entering a, a dirty environment and they could sense what was going on inside my, inside my body in terms of my immune response. And so I could, I could basically just look at the, the lights that were flashing on my fingertips that would tell me whether I was in a, uh, a clean environment environment or a dirty environment okay. and then you know I was thinking they could sense other chemicals around. How would they know if it was like good? Yeah exactly very handy for raves particularly dirty raves. How would they know if it was like pathogenic bacteria or viruses what was it you know the stuff that's good for you mm. but you might sense it oh my god it's bad and then but actually you were wrong like is there a way to distinguish between the good and bad? Yes there is a way. What's that way? <laughs> Actually, I want you to answer that, but also I think that there might be, when you're talking about this conscious control thing, there's, mm. there's two things I can think of. Yeah. For a start, there is what we call the placebo effect, which is an unconscious form of conscious. We do know that our brains do seem to affect our immune systems. It does not just go one way. Mm. So we might have a mechanism through that, but the other one I'm aware of, if you want to turn down your immune system, and this is the reason why man flu is a real thing, it is, get over it, stop judging me, women. Um, it's because of testosterone. Testosterone is an immune suppressant. So, if, uh, could this be your mechanism? Uh, you turn down your immune system by just being a little angry and horny? <laughs> Uh, it's a price are you willing to pay? That wasn't quite the mechanism I was thinking. <laughs> uh, I wasn't wanting to fiddle with uh, testosterone so much. I suppose what you could do is you could say, well, because I'm a man, I'm going to dial my immune system up slightly, so uh, I, I don't need to worry so much about man flu. So would it be mm. literally a little... I was going to say knob. Would it be a, <laughs> a little dial, like physical sort of thing that you turn? Hmm. On your body, how bit, would you do it? I think it? that's a bit amateur. Oh, I was, wow. I was, I was yeah. thinking more that it would, you know, it's conscious control. It'd be like the way that you regulate your breathing, right? Well, to, to get okay. back to science, then, because mm. we do turn down people's immune systems whenever you're talking about, like, say, tissue rejection, whenever you're having transplants and things. How do we do it now? How do we control immune systems to either turn them up or turn them down before we have this hypothetical technology? So we have, we have drugs which are immunosuppressants. Basically, they're, they're, they're drugs that uh, dial down your immune system so that when you get that transplant, you don't, you don't reject it. Um, I suppose my idea is, is a little bit more subtle than that in that you wouldn't need to then take the drug. Mm -hmm. You could say, okay, there's a period of time over which I would like my immune system to be uh, suppressed so that I can tolerate this uh, new organ, let's say. Okay, so it's mostly actually a way of avoiding um, allergy, actually. That's the allergy, uh, immune-mediated diseases, so things like Crohn's disease, type 1 diabetes, these things. Um, because these are, these are really um, diseases that are caused by the fact that we are genetically almost programmed to live in very um, dirty environments. Our immune systems are involved, evolved in, in that setting. And that when we then remove ourselves and put ourselves in cleaner environments, that type of immune system causes diseases by itself, right? So it's no longer protecting us from disease, it's actually giving us risk for disease. And so uh, what I would like the ability to do is to say for those individuals who have these diseases, they can just dial back their, their, their immune system to allow them to kind of tolerate that cleaner environment. Okay. But then if they go somewhere else in the world which has a dirtier environment, they can ramp it back up again. I think that should be fair. So basically, clean environment, clean environment, you become a student for a while, change it, and then change back as you leave out or something. Exactly. Yeah, it's wonderful. What do, you, what do you think, Sam? Is this on the shortlist? Well, 
I think it's quite useful to be ill sometimes for excuses, to get out of things. Also, I have anxiety and I can be a bit of a hypochondriac and I feel like if I knew that I would have a feeling when I was needed to dial it up, I'd mm. like fake believe that I need to do that all the time and then I'd turn it up. And I don't want my fingers to flash, so <laughs> no. No to flashing, imagine, sorry. And no to and a control immune system. Sorry, Carl, bad luck. You're up to it. What's your idea? Okay, um, so it's kind of following on what I said earlier with the news article. But as I told you now, the, the CRISPR system, when we want to modify genes, it would have to be, for example, an embryo, um, or the other way you could modify genes, like in adult cells, would be to take the cells out, modify them, and put them back in. Yeah. But really, like, I mean, if we want to, like you're saying, modify genes now, we should have like an inbuilt kind of CRISPR immune system within us that we can control. And that way we can kind of use it to either basically target mutations and get kind of control things like in real time. So am I right in thinking here that you're saying having some, it's an editing mechanism on the genetic control that we can use to fight, this is effectively fighting cancer really, isn't it? Yeah, so that, that's the way I think, obviously, because I work in cancer, but how I imagine it is, I mean, you could use it again for maybe things that you you're interested in. You could remove your hair on your knee, yes. you figure out what's the gene for that, and then you, your system would be like, okay, I'll just get rid of that gene, but um, I suppose what I was thinking of cancer, so. <laughs> but but it has more. other uses. <laughs> okay, <but>. fine. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess you could use it for other things, but how I imagined it is that, you know, that um, all cancers are caused by genetic mutations. Um, and so if we had a way, and we, we know we're starting to... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss understand what are these genetic mutations mm -hmm. we're building up big databases of it so if we had a way we had a system within us mm -hmm. that would only target oncogenic mutations and so basically the system would then run through your body and if it found an oncogenic mutation because it's synced up with some fancy database that we have at Sanger that tells us what are all these cancer mutations it would find the mutation it would either cut it out or turn it back to wild type 
And in that way, what you'd have is then the cancer cells. What's wild type? Yeah. Wild type, well, it'd be like... Because that sounds exciting. That's <laughs> wild type's like normal. Wild type's normal. Well, basically because um, what, what happens in cancer cells is often the, the, they would be mutated, the, can, the gene would be mutated that, for example, would make the cells grow faster or give it some cancerous property. But if you could revert that back, you've, you maybe stop the cancer growing. Or, or if you had a normal cell and then the mutation appeared, what would be, happen if this mutation over time might result in cancer, but you could go in early, your, your system would find it, and then just cut it out, and then it would prevent it becoming cancer. So this is, this is a mechanism of genetic repair, effectively. Yeah. yeah. But we, do we already have some kind of genetic repair? What makes this one from bacteria so special? Why is it different? So as in, in comparison to other things that we had before. Yeah, like what, what do we have now? Because I know that we, how many cancer cells do we get a day, say? There's, there's quite a few, aren't there? But our body does sort them out by other mechanisms and immunity response, looking at the, the coatings, the antigens. Yeah, like our so, immune system, you might even be better to deal with this than me. But well, if you jump in, help us. Yeah, right? certainly. Like a lot of actually, the, the actually what's happening in real life, a lot of the, they were looking at kind of mod, it's like cancer immunotherapy, looking to kind of pr use our immune system to fight cancer. Mm -hmm. So they were taking like cancerous um, immune cells out and then modifying them to kind of then go in and fight cancer. But, you know, this happens in our body, but... Um, yeah, so, Sinead, given that my idea has already been spurned, I, I, I would <laughs> like to... Are you going to support me? I, I'm going to support you on this, actually. I think it's fantastic. Men so, react so badly when you turn them down, don't <laughs> <laughs> So, just don't do it again. Um, so, I, I, quite like, I really like the idea. So, this, this idea that you, you, every time a somatic mutation occurs, every time you get a change in your germline genome, you could just CRISPR use CRISPR to change it back again. Yeah. So you wouldn't even need to go to a database to look up to see whether it's cancer causing. You've just got a somatic mutation that's occurred in your genome. You were quite healthy before that thing occurred. Let's just put it back. And so it would basically be an end to all somatic mutation. Yeah. So are we going to live forever as a result of this as well then? Surely your, your, your telomeres, your other parts of your genetic code are changing over time. Are we going to correct them too? Or is it only cancer? Well, I it's unlikely that you'll you'll live forever. I mean, so so uh, for example, you know, you, you think now about the increasing uh, rates of, of cancer and the prevalence of cancer. Well, one of the main reasons why more people are dying of cancer is because we're no longer dying of heart attacks because we have drugs like statins. I so thought you were going to say bacon. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> so what <laughs> happens when, like when we when we cure when we cure cancer and we get that wonderful place of curing cancer? Then we're just kind of we're living longer, but then we we're more exposed to the diseases of what is now very elderly age, and so we'll we'll get things like Parkinson's and Alzheimer's disease, and then we'll need to work on those. Mm. So Sinead's That's idea a happy of, ending to the story. <laughs> I wanted to make sure I've got this correct. It's a genetic repair mechanism to avoid cancer and other things. Yeah, and I imagined it as in that, like, it maybe could be, maybe you don't want it on all the time. Maybe you maybe just want to, like, induce it every so often. So maybe it could be inducible by, I don't know, drinking a certain drink. And it'd be like a kind of healthcare check that you would run so every so often. A genetic spring clean. Yeah, basically. Like a, a smoothie. For your genes, yeah. Yeah, kind of, yeah, yeah, green smoothie. But <laughs> Maybe you could drink a green smoothie and that would activate your system. Yeah. And then you would just... Would I be able to change my hair and eye colour though, wouldn't it? Well then, I think... <laughs> Important things. So I think right now, I think, well, people are talking about like making designer humans and stuff like that. Mm. I think the thing is we don't actually know what genes cause certain traits. Yeah. But if we, like, in the future did know all the, increased our knowledge of all this, maybe you could then sync up your system, mm. your CRISPR immune system, to then be like, okay, I want to get rid of this gene, or 
to then control that kind of thing. We're going to have to keep moving control. here. Okay. Is this on the shortlist or yeah, not? Yeah, I mean, it's going to cure cancer. I can't say no. <laughs> Fair point. But audience, can you beat curing cancer? So if you've got an idea, please get your hand up. We'll get a microphone to you as fast as possible. How would you like to change our species? Uh, my name's Julian, and uh, my idea is a way to combat the deadliest animal on the planet, mosquitoes. So th the question is, how do we get rid of all the mosquito-borne diseases? How do we make humans resistant to all of those things? Uh -huh. And I just, it, we all know that some people get bitten a lot by mosquitoes and others don't, right? Uh -huh. So mosquitoes can smell us. So there must be some way that we can make us all so stinky that we don't attract any mosquitoes anymore and we never get bitten by mosquitoes and that the mosquitoes can live happily and freely and do their mosquito thing we just don't get bitten and we don't um we don't therefore get zika virus and all of these other things malaria and so on and so the mechanism i don't know what the mechanism is otherwise i would um you know be trying to paint it but I'll just say, people are trying to understand how mosquitoes are attracted. And the positive control, the thing that always works, is smelly socks. So if you want something that attracts mosquitoes, you wear a sock for a day and mosquitoes love it. So whatever this thing is our body produces, it's sort of the anti-smelly sock, the opposite of a smelly sock. <laughs> so actually you smell nice, but yes. you smell bad to mosquitoes. Exactly. Okay, that sounds so you, you smell like the inverse of a smelly sock. Whatever so if I, I'm one of those people that get bitten loads, Yes. Is that something to do with my socks? Yes. It's because you smell like socks. <laughs> do, you, do you particularly get bitten on your feet, though? Oh Where God. do you get bitten? I get bitten on holiday where I'm just wearing sandals with no socks. Ah. <laughs> I don't know. No, do I you, get bitten on my arms. Can, can I just check? Uh, smelly arms and I'm going gonna, gonna to have to check. Cause it's, um, I can't remember if it's you or... Uh, I, I can't remember if it's Carl or Andy here who one of their other ideas was a mechanism of biting back at mosquitoes. Yes, I, is that, I, 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 yeah, I quite, like, I quite like the idea that, you know, the, there's obviously the, the way that malaria is, is transmitted is as a parasite inside the mosquito that ends up uh, in our bloodstream, and it's that parasite that ultimately goes on to um, cause the infection. I quite like the idea that, you know, when it gives us a parasite, we give it one back. Uh, but, but ours is a little bit more aggressive. And so it's basically kind of who's going to win first. And given that we've got uh, some uh, uh, anti-malarial drugs and mosquito nets and things to help us also kind of combat the, the, uh, the mosquito and the malaria, we could, our, our, our parasite back to the, uh, to the mosquito could basically wipe out the uh, vector completely. Well, there, there might even be another way, because um, actually Sinead might be very useful here for us. This CRISPR mechanism, I know that people are at least investigating, I don't know if it's ever going to go ahead, but a mechanism of using CRISPR to turn all mosquitoes male um, over generations and wipe out the certain ones which would pass on malaria, dengue, Zika, that kind of thing. Oh yeah, I think I said TED talk on that, it was like the gene drive or something. They tried yeah, to they won't do it. So, so the problem with the gene drive is mosquitoes' genomes vary at insane rates. So if you take any two mosquitoes and sequence their genomes, they'll be different in one of every 10 bases or so. Okay. So actually getting gene drives to work so that the CRISPR always works on every mosquito, that's a big, big problem. I think the anti-smelly sock is much more likely to work. <laughs> also, also I feel like feminism within mosquitoes is clearly rife. Mm. And wiping all the women out is, I don't I advocate that. 
Well, isn't the reason? Am I right in thinking it's only the female that feeds in blood? That's, and it's only, only pregnant females that... Yeah, but you men would say that. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but uh, why, why are mosquitoes drawn to smelly, the smell of smelly socks? Do we know? Answer. We don't know. So people are trying to essentially break apart the smell of smelly socks and understand what is it. <laughs> Maybe they've got some huge like laundry business going down. <laughs> the question is, though, Sam, is this on the shortlist? Yes. All right. I love it. Anything to do with salt. It smells sweet as well. Give Julian a round of applause. <laughs> we got time for one or two more. Has anybody got any? Yes, uh, my name is Alena. Um, I think that humans should develop mental control of machines. Mm. So you're right? after a brain machine yeah, interface. Can you imagine? You don't have to type anymore. You can just think about it and bloop, it prints it out for you. <laughs> That's it. And, and then all you have to do is edit when you have the time. You don't have to text anymore. You know, all these fingers, oh, damn, I deleted the bloody thing. No, you don't have to do that anymore. You just think about it, and the phone does it all for you. So I know that there are people who are doing research into this very thing, particularly to treat and help people who are paraplegic and the like, the mechanisms of trying to have brain and text interface. But surely just every text message is going to be like Ulysses. You know, but also, what if you're what? thinking about something dirty and yeah, then you accidentally text it? Where, that's, Do you really want that, to write that, there that's know your the thoughts? Thing. You really need to then control your thoughts, right? Oh, um, but but can, you imagine, can you imagine the benefit that it will bring to so many people? Because how many people are going to stop walking into trees or lampposts because they're not looking at their phone. They're just thinking about it. You can look at where you're going and think about a text. Okay, then there's obviously good reasons for this, but um, why bother with the text intermediate anyway? Because effectively you're creating a, a technological telepathy. Why, why bother going through the medium of text? Ah, uh, that's because the, you can never be sure whether the person the text is meant for will understand what exactly is it that you mean. Okay, so you're still wanting the intermediate of language. This is yeah. not a, okay. Yeah, you need words, and on top of that, if, if you think about a, a scientific paper, well, that has to be reviewed by three people. How do you, you know, so telepathically transmit that message to three different people and yes. get them to get the right message and mainly give you the right review? That's going to get quite difficult. What do you reckon, Sam, in the panel? I think it's going to take too much mental control. Mm. I feel like You're all exhausted. I'd send some weird stuff to some people. <laughs> and filthy things to my mum, like by accident. Because, you know, sometimes you just think, oh God, imagine if I sent that to my mum, and then imagine if it did it. Um, so yeah. I'm worried about that. What's going to be the equivalent of a mental drunk dial? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, a so book. I'm afraid it's not on, is, it, is that in no, the shortlist? But you I've... can always sell it afterwards. <laughs> Sorry, Elena. the jump the beard and the glasses first. Yes, sir. What's your name and what's your idea? Uh, can uh, uh, someone try to guess it, perhaps? <laughs> what's his name? Do you know what? That yeah. is so funny, because I was waiting for you to say your name, and I was going to say, I guess that. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to give you four options, actually. Okay. Uh, it's uh, going to be a bit harder for you. Is it John, Tom, Sam, or Demetrius? 
<laughs> if she gets it right, does she sound racist on a podcast, though, is the question. Potentially, that's a loaded question. <laughs> Where are you from? Um, I'm Greek Cypriot. <laughs> I can't guess because we're not the same nationality. Oh. Very yeah. nice. So, Dimitrios, what's your picture? <laughs> so, um, I'm interested in the more existential stuff because uh, one of your uh, speakers in the panel said that it's not actually possible to live forever. I quite agree on the, on the physical part, but um, I also see eternal life up there on the board, and I, I know someone already mentioned euthanasia and assisted suicide, and uh, that's, that's kind of the blessing for me, uh, euthanasia, uh, and eternal life, kind of a curse. Uh, but seeing What's that this wrong is... with Cambridge? Crikey! <laughs> <laughs> seeing it's that this a... is a conversation, though, uh, about furthering and bettering the human condition and the human experience um, um, through evolution, I would, I would suggest uh, a different idea, the idea of reversible death. Now, Ooh. I know that sounds a bit ridiculous, but... Uh, like zombies? It, no, it's, it's like <laughs> dying for some time. It's, it's like me wanting to uh, die for the short span of four years after Trump was elected president, for example. Okay, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's the idea of putting yourself on hold, like the legend that uh, uh, Walt uh, Disney froze himself waiting for uh, uh, the sort of uh, fountain of youth to be found so that he could be yes. brought back to life. Mm. It's, it's, it's a bit like deactivating Facebook. And, uh, and we all know, for example, that uh, uh, the reason we all deactivate Facebook is because we have the option of returning to it. And also, uh, uh, the vast amount of friends you have on Facebook, the moment you deactivate it, you also stop existing. So it's, it's, it's kind of another death. Uh, and you always go back. That's you always go back. You, you have the option for it. Uh, what, what happens so, to you when, when you stopped existing? Yeah. I mean, physically, where are you and who can get at you? Are we talking stasis here? Am I, am I, am I missing this? What, what is, I, 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 I'm actually looking to go beyond stasis. Uh, into, uh, uh, I'm coming to it. <laughs> it. It sounds a bit ridiculous. So I, 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 think, I think I got one better. Uh, it, that doesn't subtract anything from our, uh, doesn't subtract as much from our physical existence. Uh, so we, we go on living normally, but uh, when we die, uh, all, the uh, all the algorithms that make, make us us are kind of up uploaded or stored in a sort of centralized system that can mm. harness vast amounts of energy and store vast amounts of information. Uh -huh. And we can go on advancing mentally uh, educating ourselves, imagine it's, it's at a, a, a faster, much faster rate, updating ourselves about the politics and commons, like, imagine like reading all the newspapers uh, in the world in a single morning. So keeping yourself updated on the state of the world uh, and, and going on f to do this for hundreds and hundreds of years because you're still existing in that mental state even though your physical body has okay, wasted okay. away. Hold on. Hold on, so are you really wanting to die for a study break? <laughs> <laughs> I want to die physically, but go on existing mentally as a consciousness, and then, having incurred the wisdom of a thousand years, then take part in elections with all that historical wisdom, I mean, so that we can avoid similar religion. messes. <laughs> huh? Are you Jesus? 
<laughs> Are you going to rise again? That's what it sounds like. I, I just quite like the idea that Dimitris thinks, considers himself a series of algorithms that can be uploaded <laughs> to a computer. Yeah. So well, you you live even... you take time out and live as a computer basically, and then get. But where would you get the, the new end, body? At the end from? of your life, so so you you still get to enjoy the physical world. You know it's finite, but at the end of your life. Uh, you you get to exist as a consciousness and and still take part in uh, okay. uh, the commons. Which is, I'll, I'll sell it differently. For example, imagine even you you will even uh, have the ability to taste and retaste the world's tastiest burger for all eternity. No calories attached because at the end of the day, that's just ticks in the brain as well. Okay, because you're effectively saying that it's an equivalent of a kind of a matrix um, for a sci-fi analogy or. Uh, there's, there's lots of sci-fi which have got something like where you enter a sort of solid state. Yes. Uh, you're kind of in a, a, in a computer. You do look a bit like Keanu Reeves, actually. Well, yeah, but like the way you're posing, you could end up being a Tamagotchi. <laughs> like, that's the other alternative <laughs> to this. I, you need a leather I'm, I'm just surprised you've got such optimism that, I, like, I'm now 30... Ooh, 34? Sorry, that took me longer than it should. I don't think I've learned anything in 20 years at this stage. Like, do you really think we get wiser? I really think uh, wisdom is an amalgamation of everything you've been exposed to, and with greater exposure, you would get wiser. But when you became alive again, or like downloaded into human form, where would you get the new body from? You, you, you don't get a, a new body. You, you exist as a consciousness. So living oh, on... so, okay. He so wants you to don't become die. the ghost in the machine. Yep, yep, yep. Okay. Is this in? <laughs> the Ghost in the Machine, is that the new film with Scarlett Johansson? Uh, Ghost in the Shell. The shell. Uh, yeah. I think she does it better. <laughs> um, uh, no, uh, no. Actually, that's kind of what that film's about. Uh, that's, yep. the, that's the kind of thing of that world. They're very much about those kind of dynamics. But anyway, you said no. Anyway, sorry, Demetrius, give him a big round of applause. Thank you for that, audience. Um, we've got one final idea coming from Mother Nature herself. Here we have, can you describe this to the people at home, Sam? It's a camel. It's a camel, right. Not toe, the animal. There are, oh dear. There are many, many things that we would steal from a camel, perhaps. Um, but what I'm gonna suggest is putting all our fat in one place. So one of the reasons why a camel, <laughs> one of the reasons why a camel has a hump is because that way it stops having its fat stored elsewhere around its organs and around its body, and therefore it's not having the insulating effect of that fat. So I reckon we should just let all our fat accumulate in one handy place, and if we want liposuction, if we want to reuse it for refrying or something. <laughs> And you get to pick what part you want? Yeah, you yeah, get to pick well, what part. Okay. okay. If we want a hump. I, I... <laughs> I mean, have you, are you familiar with the work of Gwen Stefani? Yeah. My hump, my lovely <laughs> lady lumps. Like, she thinks we've already done that. So we could actually, yeah, actually, I suppose that's the thing. We could, uh... So I could take all the fat in my body and yep. put them, like, in my bum. Yes. It's kind of what Kim Kardashian's done. Actually, you know Actually the... for, for those people who have been sitting here politely through our podcast, imagine you can move all that fat to your bum and have a really comfy cushion. <laughs> yeah? They don't sound sold on it. Are you sold on it, Sam? In theory, it sounds great, because you could kind of then sculpt whatever body you want. But in... From fat. 
or from lack of fat. Oh, true. Okay. Um, you know, muffin top is a real issue in today's society. Um, I think, but I think it's not practical because you'd fall over. <laughs> like camels are on four legs and their fat's on top, so it's like evenly distributed and it makes a great sort of place to ride them. I'm, I'm, currently, I'm currently helping lay carpets and stuff in my house. I could put all my fat into my knees. You know. But then how would you walk the rest of the time? You'd have such heavy knees. You could put it in your feet, I guess, but then you'd have huge feet. I think no. Okay, then it's out. So, I'm really strict with my ideas, aren't I? Have I only picked what? Now you've got a two to okay. choose from. So there was Sinead's idea of gene repair to fight cancer using something like a human equivalent to CRISPR. And then we had Julian's idea from the audience of fighting mosquitoes uh, by not smelling. That has the advantage of also not smelling. <laughs> what do you think? It's basically dying of malaria or dying of cancer. Are the options. Gosh. Well, no, I think just for the flair of the smelling like socks. Yeah. And because this is an issue that really affects me in my life when I go on holiday, um, I think mosquitoes. So, not smelling and not attracting mosquitoes, a means of getting rid of whatever it is that makes mosquitoes yeah. like us. And Julian, not killing the women. You have one. Can we get a, a microphone to this man? How do you feel? Uh, how do you feel about your responsibility of having to go home and do this now? I, I'll, I'll do my best. I'm ecstatic. Thank you. Give him a huge round of applause. Thank you. Well, ladies and gents, we're going to take that idea, take it home and knit bomb it into our chromosomes. But before we go, we've got one final thing to do. I'd love you to give a huge round of applause to our guests. We've had Sinead Dunn, we've had Carl Anderson, and we've had Sam Baines. <laughs> I've been signing off. This has been Level Up Human. Thank you and good night. That was Level Up Human, hosted by Simon Watt, produced by Rachel Wheely, and supported by the Wellcome Trust. This episode was created with the help of the Welcome Genome Campus, where they tackle some of the most difficult challenges facing genome science. For more information, go to levelupyouman.com. Okay, Gregory, we need to do a little commercial to advertise our podcast. Uh, what should we say? Uh huh. Mm-hmm. No, not that. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not saying that. I don't want another letter of complaint. Shut up, Darren. I didn't ask you. Uh, uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, that'll do. Um, hello, my name is Eric Lampere. I do a podcast called Topical Island. Either alone or with a guest, and with the sentient animals living on my imaginary island, we dissect a topic to the best of our ability. Science, history, literature, any sort of nonsense. Topical Island is the perfect destination to get away from reality. Uh, so find us on Apple, iTunes, or SoundCloud. That'll do, right? Yeah. <laughs> Good one. Oh shit, Naomi found us. Let's get out of here. Uh, yeah, find us on iTunes and shit. Hold up. What was that? 
Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.